year to you, and I hope you've already not forgotten about your New Year's resolutions, right? Come on, some people are doing this, some people are doing that, and you know, most of the time after the holidays, things go back to normal, they go back as usual, they go back, you know, we do the same things that we've always done, the expected things, but you know that only 8% of New Year's resolution actually succeed, 8%, and it says 80%, listen to this one, are usually over with by February. So we got a 30-day window to get everything that we need to get done in that 30 days. But listen, why don't we turn that around? Why don't we make that a long-haul type thing? Why don't we get our minds and our hearts uh, in tune with what God wants to do, not just for spiritual things, but for the physical things, and say, hey, we're going to extend this thing into March, into April, and all the way through December of next year. Come on, can I get an amen on that one? The fast is going well. I wrote exclamation point, question mark. Come on. How many of you have struggled a little bit in the fast and are participating? Anybody? Can you be honest? Praise the Lord. I've got some honest people in here. Uh, there are some people that I've been talking to saying they're really, just in this first week, have gotten some clarity, have gotten uh, just good, good, good things have already started coming out of this. And, uh, and I've noticed Jason on Facebook, he is putting all these recipes out, and, and he's getting chastised because they look too good. A couple of them said, that can't be on the fast. And he's like, yes, it is. It's all vegetables. But, you know, I'm kind of getting used to eating vegetables, and it's not as bad. And and I don't know if you all know, Pastor Minnie, I had COVID a few weeks uh, uh, actually, uh, several weeks ago, and my taste and my smell is still not back. And in the meantime, I lost about 18 pounds since Thanksgiving. Amen? Because food is not that good if you don't taste it. Like, I'm trying to make myself eat all of this stuff, and I'm putting these... Ve- this is a great time for me to eat vegetables because I really don't like vegetables. So I'm just like, broccoli. <laughs> okay, I can't even taste it anyway, so we're good. But you know what we're doing? A lot of times we say, if it's not going well for you or you're struggling, you say, 14 more days left. But what if we didn't look at it that way? What if we looked at it instead of how many days we have left, what if we said, how much more can we get out of this? So many times we look at the end, we look for the end of something, but God is really trying to do something in the middle of it or in the beginning of it. Instead of thinking, man, I only got this many more days and I can eat a steak and I can eat chicken and I can eat all that stuff, let's, let's, let's ask Holy Spirit to say, hey, listen, what can you do with me? What can I do in you in the next 14 days? You know what? We remember the reason why we fast. And I'm, and I'm getting to, the, to my message here. This is only just a, this is the introduction, so we got another hour to go. Um, but the reason we fast is to regain and return to our faith. What we do is we want a renewal of our spirit, and we want to get it a sense of direction and purpose in our lives. We're not just fasting for us. You've got to understand, Pastor Johnny said this before. He says, I've not really been fasting for things I want. I've been fasting for others. So many times we go into the fast and we want to get what we need out of it. We need the answer for God. But how many times of us go in and fast and pray for God to move on someone in our families, for God to do something big in our city, for God to transform our church? So many times that we, we get so selfish in the things that we want, and God says, I want you to broaden. The Bible says, I look for someone to stand in the gap. I look for someone to make up the hedge. I look for someone who would pray for someone and would believe for someone. What if we did that for the next 14 days? Do you think your family would be transformed? Absolutely. 
The morning, this morning, I'm going to introduce you to some, a very special guest. Some of you may have just met this guest. Some of you may know this guest for a long time. You know, you've heard some great things about this guest, and, and you can't really describe who he is, or you realize that you really don't know a whole lot about him. You've heard some, here's some other thing, you've heard some bad things about this guest. Have you ever heard something from a third party? And when you actually met, you, oh no, nobody gossips in here, praise the Lord. Nobody talks about anybody. Nobody sows any seeds of discord. We know that, not in this church anyway. But have you ever heard something from someone and then you, you had a negative opinion about them and then when you met them, you were like, man, they're really not as bad as that person said that they were. Anybody ever done that? Come on, everybody's had a friend, had someone talk about somebody and you meet them and go, yeah, they're really not that bad. But listen, only to meet them and know that it's really not that way. Once you meet the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're talking about, and you start having a relationship with him, everything that you've seen, everything that's been t that you've heard, everything will change. We will get the most out of this fast and beyond when we decide to get to know him. So this morning, I'm gonna t my title of my message is Holy Spirit, question mark, Holy Spirit. This topic has been disagreed upon. We're going to talk about this for the next, uh, next couple weeks. This topic has been disagreed upon. It's been misunderstood. Many people have said it's outdated. And it's the third part of the Trinity. The Father, we know about God. The Son, we know about Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, a lot of times, is a mystery. And a lot of times, we don't really want to explore that mystery. And he's often just forgotten. There's different names for the Holy Spirit. First of all, the one that gets everybody in the King James Version is the Holy Ghost. That's the first time people start cutting out right there. Uh, the Holy Ghost, I don't know if I want to read any farther. But he's called the Spirit of God. He's called the Spirit of Truth. And many times in the Bible, he's just called simply the Spirit. The church, well, on the other hand, sees him, and we see him sometimes as a feeling. We come in, and if we don't get goosebumps, come on. If we don't have a tear, and listen, there's nothing wrong with goosebumps. There's nothing wrong with tears. There's nothing wrong with a feeling, with an emotional feeling. But we feel like we don't get anything from the Holy Spirit if we don't feel those emotions. The Holy Spirit is not just a feeling. He's not a cosmic force. He's not the force with you like Star Wars. He's not an event. I used to go to church and people say, man, the Holy Spirit really showed up. Really? Did you show up to work? Did you show up to church? Because if you showed up to church, the Holy Spirit was here. He didn't have to show up. He's not an event to try to work around. He is a who. Sometimes, let me just tell y'all how I was raised. Sometimes we think that we can't have Holy Spirit unless we have the high hair and the long dresses. Anybody remember those days? Half y'all probably don't. There was some spirituality that went on years ago thinking that, what did you say the other day, Ashley? The higher your hair was, the more closer to heaven that you were. The long dresses and the no makeup, and then we went through the Tammy Faye Baker where they put 7,000 pounds of Mary Kay makeup on. And that made you, that made you more spiritual. But let me just tell you something. I was raised in a church where the holiness was, and there were some ladies that did that. And, man, when they got to praying, then bobby pins would start flying. And, 
But let me tell you something. We la- I'm, I'm, I'm not poking fun because I saw the Spirit of God fall so many times when those ladies took that. They didn't have to have a microphone. They just knew that the Spirit of God was taking over in the front. So I'm not poking fun of that, man. I saw some great things happen. But a lot of times we try to make the Holy Spirit into something. We try to pigeonhole him into this, that, or the, the other, but he's not. We have to know this. No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter if it's been years, no matter if it's been weeks, you're either one or four of these people. First of all, you really don't know. You don't know him and you call him an it. Anybody ever called the Holy Spirit an it? I have. It, you know, it did this and it did that. Not, the second one is we don't know much about him. The third one is we're very apprehensive about talking about it because we're fearful. The first thing we start talking about is the Holy Ghost. Oh, that's spooky. We don't want to talk about that. That's craziness. You know, we've become apathetic and we're not interested in it. But there are some people who are fully in tune with the Holy Spirit. You ever meet those people when you walk up on, oh, they start telling you everything. Just like Jesus at the woman of the well. They start telling you everything about your life. You're like, oh, my gosh, i got to get out of here. There are some people that are super in tune with God, and they didn't get that way by accident. They didn't get that way just by, oh, God, just do They had to work on it. They had to fast, and they had to pray, and they had to pray for discernment. So many times, you know, we want something for God, but we don't want to ask him for it. But because of the disagreement, because of the misunderstanding, because of the apprehension, and even the apathy, there has been an attempt to erase the Holy Spirit from, uh, from our lives, and from our churches. Why? I'm glad you asked. First one is lack of knowledge. There has been an attempt. You do not know this because, sorry, I'm reading the same sentence. You don't know because you don't know. And I'm going to give you a few biblical facts about the Holy Spirit. First of all, the Holy Spirit is eternal. Now listen, everybody relates the Holy Spirit to the book of Acts. Yes, he was there in the book of Acts, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit later, not today, but in the next week or so. But we relate to the book of Acts because of how he fell and the things that we did and the songs that they just sang. But let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is eternal. In Genesis 1, 1, it says, In the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. Listen. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came upon judges, he came upon prophets, and he came upon warriors. Here's an example of that. Joshua, he gave great wisdom and made him a great leader. Samson, he gave him great strength because he was a judge in Israel. And Gideon, who was, a, who was fearful and hiding somewhere, he gave him the courage to be a warrior. David said this. He said, the Spirit of the Lord spoke through me, and his word was on my tongue. The prophet Ezekiel said, the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me. Joel said, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. And he wasn't just talking about the Jews. He was talking about the Gentiles. He said that I am going to pour out something like you've never experienced before. He is also the inspiration of Scripture. Let me read this to you. 2 Peter 1.20 says this. Above all, I'm going to slow down. Used to be, I, I, I said that you were more spiritual when you went faster, when you sweated more. That's supposed to be funny. 
wasn't. Uh, anyway, I, we, we, equ- we, we equate that, hey, I'm preaching good because I'm faster and I'm just going 100 miles an hour and I'm sweating and I'm doing all- that's not a part of the Holy Spirit. That, is a, that can help you to move you to a different place, but that's not part. That was a side note. Here we go. 2 Peter 1.20. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. People will say that the Bible is flawed. They're saying that today right now because it was written by man. But let me just tell you something. 3,800 times the Bible says God said. 3,800 times. Every author wrote the Bible through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The word inspiration can be translated means blown into. And like God breathed into Adam the breath of life, God breathed his words into these authors. He met Moses on a mountaintop. He met David in a pasture. And he blew the Psalms right into David's spirit where he could put it out in the Bible for us. So Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was around. The Bible says in Revelation, it says John was carried away in the spirit and he wrote Revelations. The prophets heard directly from God. Is it reliable? At least 2,500 prophecies, and most all have been fulfilled in the Bible. 2,500 prophecies plus, and every one of them have been fulfilled already. You think that's an improbability? Do you think that's just a fluke or a flaw? You think that's just something that happened? No. The Word is the primary way God has chosen to reveal Himself to us. All Scripture When you read that Bible, you need to understand it's God-breathed, it's God-inspired, and it's Holy Spirit-led, everything. The Holy Spirit was the key to the ministry of Jesus. Let's look at Matthew 3.16. I'm kind of laying some of the groundwork here for you over the next week or so. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God like a dove alighting upon him. Remember, Jesus was sent to this earth in what? Human form. Because he came as a human, he needed the power, he needed the Spirit. Acts 10.38 says this, And God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The signs, the wonders, the miracles, the healing all came from the power that was within God through the Holy Spirit. Why else would we try to erase him? Because of past experiences. Some of you all, I mean, I was raised. I'm going to go on and tell you about this in a little bit. But past experiences, the, the job of the enemy is to convince you that the Holy Spirit is weird. Come on, you all know what I'm talking about. They want to convince you that it's weird. You've met some people who were spirit-filled that were probably weird before they got spirit-filled. You all know that person I'm talking about right now. They were probably already weird. But he's not weird. But the devil knows this. He knows that the power that we have, he knows that the advantages that we have, if we would fully tap into the power God has put into us, 
in the church today, if we fully tapped into where God was one, this place would be filled, not just this place, as Ashley said, but every place in unity. You couldn't have enough church services to cover if we all got to the place where we tapped into the Spirit of God. Come on. We can't be hoarders of somewhere else. I heard somebody say there's not enough churches in Louisville. There's not enough services in Louisville that could, that could take what God can do. So we need to be tapped into the Spirit. There's what happens that leads us to those misunderstandings, and, and the, it leads us to being apprehensive or even apathetic and disregard the Spirit. Let me just tell you something. The Holy Spirit is not chaos. Oh, I grew up, and I watched people run completely around the church. Come on, anybody, can anybody raise their hand and know what I'm talking about? I got six people in here. Y'all, the rest of y'all are like, what in the world is he talking about? No, I'm talking about they would run around the church 100 miles an hour, and, and, and there would be times I remember this young man, and he was a great young man, but he was very enthusiastic, but he would get in the spirit, he would give out a big war hoop, and he would take off across the back. And one day he ran completely out the back of the church. He hit the back door, shattered the glasses everywhere, and it was crazy. And I had had some people that I had invited to <laughs> that I had invited to church, and I had to explain something to them after that was over. I was like, you know, he's very enthusiastic. He's twenty years old, and but you know what? Um, the Holy Spirit is not chaos. And I'm not saying that he wouldn't make you do something out of the ordinary, but he normally won't make you do something out of the ordinary. I'm being honest. And Paul is talking to the Corinthians here. Listen to what he says. 1 Corinthians 14, 40, he says, Let all things, all things be done decently, decently and in order. Why? I'm going to read. 1 Corinthians 14, 23 first, but I was going to go on. But listen, therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and they come and those come in, those who are uninformed, unbelievers, that will they not say, these people are out of their mind. I had a few people that I had to explain something to. It's like, he's not really crazy. He's enthusiastic. And there's so many times that when people come into to, to church, they're expecting something a certain way. And just because they, they see it a different way, they form a different opinion on it. But what had happened with the Corinthians, they were prideful. Man, we got all the spiritual gifts. They start coming up here, man, we got it together. We're better than everyone else. And that's what's happened in the church world because the charismatic people feel like, well, we do it this way. Well, we're better than this denomination and we're better than that denomination because we do this. That's exactly what they were facing. There was no rules and there was no chaos. You know you have to have rules. You can't go 88 miles an hour and not get a speeding ticket. Got a speeding ticket yesterday. I tried to be, he said I was doing 89. He bumped it down to 88. Thank you. I appreciate you, officer, Indiana State Trooper. But, yeah, they got you. They got me. But here's the thing. I was breaking the rules. There are rules. There are things that we do. And, you know, I was very nice to him praying. Oh, but maybe if I'm really nice to him, he nicely came up and handed a citation over to Pastor Minya. said, have a nice day. Here's how you pay it. 
But you have to have rules. It cannot be chaotic. There's a part when he talks about women being silent in church. That is a whole three-part episode that we can talk about at a later date. But let me just tell you something. We got some powerful women in this church that don't need to be silent. They need to speak more often. They need to talk up more often because God is using the women of our church. Everyone was trying to talk. Have you ever been in a meeting, and I'm really bad about, I'm going to get in trouble for this one. Have you ever been in a meeting and been the one talking, talk, 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 and people are trying to have a meeting and you're talking, right? Well, my wife has to get on me. Sometimes I like to interject my things that are that I think are funny, and she'll be like, okay, I'm telling everybody else to be quiet. You need to be quiet too. But what, that's what was happening. They were having church. Everybody was talking. Everybody was speaking in tongues. Everybody was just, there was just a chaotic things going on. But in verse 24, it says this. But if all prophecy, but if all prophecy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, someone from the outside, he is convinced by all, and he is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among us. I want a church where somebody walks through those doors and says, God is truly among us. I want a people that says, when they walk in here, they'll say, man, God is truly in them. He was saying here, you can prophesy. And, you know, what is prophecy? We're going to talk a little bit about that. Prophecy is for building up. It's for inspiration. But it's also for prediction and correction. There's the one that we don't like. The prophets in the Bible came 90% of the time, and they had kind of bad news. If you don't turn this around, we're going to do this. But so many times we want a good prophecy. We want someone to say, I see you doing this, and I see you doing That's great. But a lot of times it's better to have correction than correct. The tongues are for prophecy. We're an interpretation. I used to go to a church where in the same chaos, there was this lady that got up and she would speak in tongues. And inevitably, there was, and I had just started going, and I just started going back to God. And inevitably, there was an interpretation of those tongues. If there's not an interpretation, the Bible says keep your mouth shut. Basically, that's what it says. So they interpreted this, and one day I was sitting there, and I mean this word, and I didn't know what they were saying because it, I, didn't, I wasn't the interpreter. And she talked for about three minutes, and then someone stood up and gave the interpretation. Read my mail. I mean, everything that I was going through, everything that I was thinking, everything. I mean, it was like right down to the thing. So, listen, when it's done in decency and in order, and there is someone to interpret, I'm telling you, it could be a powerful message from God. It has to be understandable or it has to be clear. Why? It can't be chaos because there are people and there are unbelievers that need to have an encounter with God. And if they come in to a place that's crazy, there's come into a place that's out of control. And let me tell you something, spirit move. And there's a way that the spirit moves upon people's hearts without all of the hoopla is what I'm trying to say. But then there's times when God gets hold of someone and they cry out to him and there's some powerful things going on around this, around this altar and that's fine too. Can I tell you this? The Holy Spirit is not forceful. He will never make you do, the catchphrase is he's a gentleman. He will never make you do anything that you don't want to do. We, about 
few years ago, we had somebody come to the church, refuge, and it was all high school kids at that time. We had probably 150 plus kids coming. And they spoke and did a really good job, but the altar call turned into something else. It turned into a spectacle. It turned into someone trying to force people and push people and and and, and, do, and you know what after that day it, i could just see that i could just see the countenance of some of these young kids mind because they didn't understand they didn't know and the next sunday we lost about 40 probably about 40 kids I said that was too crazy when it's god it's good when it's not god it does more damage oh help me lord do you know what it did to me when pastors would try to force me down and they would try to make me do something? It made me not want to do it that much more. It made me build up a wall. It made me go, oh, no, there is no one ever going to do that to me. And I can tell you, I told this story before, I'm going to tell it again. So here we go. One day we were at a conference, and I often told God, I said, God, unless you knock me down, I ain't following. Unless you do it, I ain't having nothing to do with none of that stuff. Well, we were in this. There was probably 800 people in this place. I don't know how many people. There was a bunch. And then he gets done. He comes walking down Nathan Morris. I don't know if you all heard of Nathan Morris. But he comes walking off the stage. We're about the third row. And he's walking right for us. Right for you, Trey. And I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, what is he going to do? He said, you two, come here. And I'm like, okay. So we walked up front. And I'm not lying. As soon as he said, Spirit of God, he touched me, literally with his finger. I hit the floor. He hit her. She hit the floor. She was out. Here's me, because I'm stubborn. I'm trying to get, I said amen. I'm trying to get up. Listen, I'm going, I'm getting up. I am going to get, I'm not, man. You know what he did? He said, get him up again. He hit me again. I mean, he barely touched me, y'all. This is my experience. You can believe me or not. He barely touched me, Eric, and I went out. And I was out for about 10 minutes. And I could not get my own self up. God said, you wanted me to prove my power to you. I just proved it. There it is. You know what? It's, it's the, the Holy Spirit comes when we ask. He'll come in a way that we need him to come, but he won't come unless you want him to come. He's not crazy, too. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches and saints. Many people and churches treat him like the crazy Uncle Bill that comes to the family reunion. Or y'all seen Christmas Vacation cousin Eddie you give him an invitation he shows up to the, on the holidays he acts maybe inappropriate you're afraid he's going to show up on the holiday you're afraid he's going to act inappropriately so you try you can't help but be related to him because he's part of you but you try never to mention him and you try to forget the invitation that you need to send out to him here's what you're doing you're hoping he doesn't show up and act crazy. Right? Well, let me just tell you something. So many times we put a blanket over the Holy Spirit because of the way that we want him to act. 
doesn't always act the way that we want him to act. He doesn't always do what we want him to do. That's why we got to let the spirit move and we have to move with him. If he says go, and again, if it's from God, it's good. If it's not from God, it ain't. So we get standoffish. We wonder why God is really not moving in our lives. We wonder why God is not doing something in our churches. I just wrote all these down. These are different, these are different interpretations. It says, do not quench the spirit. Do not suppress the spirit. Do not try to keep, try to stop the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't stifle, this is all the same words, just different translations. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't turn away from God's spirit. And don't put out the spirit's fire. How do we do this? We do this by trying to put him in a box. We try to put him into a place where we want him to be, we want to be comfortable with him. But we also do this by not allowing the freedom of God in our own lives. We do that by basically sin in our lives too. I know that's a word that we don't talk about much in church, but the sin in our lives, the things that we're struggling with, we quench and we keep the Holy Spirit where we want him to be. I want to tell you something this morning. He's not a procedure. He's not a way of doing something. He is not a program. He's not a feeling. He's not goosebumps. He's not people. someone that we invite. The Holy Spirit is a who. When you go from emotion, listen to this. When you go from emotion to experience, it changes everything. We can all have an emotion. You can't live on your feelings, right? If you live on your feelings, you're going to always be your hurt feelings, your whatever feelings. You're always going to be in that place. But when we go from a feeling to an experience, you'll realize that he's someone to have a personal relationship with. Jesus said in John 14, he says, And I will pray that the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be able to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot, world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He's personal. He has personal attributes. The Bible says he's upset. He's grieved. He's a real person. Jesus introduced to, uh, the, to the disciples the Holy Spirit. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He is God with us. He's a spirit willing to equip us. And getting to know him is the key. The key, not just the fasting, not just the prayer, but the key is to getting to know the Holy Spirit so you can move to a different place. So I'm going to ask you this morning, do you want to grow? You want to grow as individuals? You want to grow as a family? You want to grow as a church? You want to grow as just anything? Just put whatever you want to into that category. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us into his likeness. The power of the Holy Spirit is the one that makes you be able to walk with God. Do you know that you cannot walk with God? The Bible says that nobody will come to God unless the Spirit draws them to God. So getting away, you know, getting, the, getting to know who the Holy Spirit is, is your way to get to know who God is. So I'm going to ask you something this morning, to open your minds, as I said earlier. Open your hearts. Take away, even in your, the way that you thought about, maybe you don't even fully understand this, I'm going to ask you to, to dig a little bit deeper. I'm going to ask you to go and, 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 and do some research on your own. 
and understand who God and what he wants us to do. Let the Holy Spirit start doing the work that he's supposed to do in your life. I'm going to ask you all if you would stand, please. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, we're empowered. That's what gives us the power. If you're trying to do it without, do it without him, I'm telling you, you're going to live a life of of live a life of, of, not, of just powerless because he is our power. Maybe you're here today and you've never experienced. Maybe you're sitting here back there thinking, man, I don't even know, never heard half the stuff he's talking about. Sometimes that's a good thing. <laughs> sometimes we get so inundated with the way that we know things. And, and I've often told somebody, I said, sometimes if you're a new believer, you don't even understand the the advantage sometimes you have of not knowing everything that I know that I've had to unlearn. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying my experiences were all bad. They were not. There were some encounters that, man, there were some real things that I saw God do, and it was crazy. But sometimes you as a new believer, you get a little bit like you start thinking, man, I just don't know that, and I just don't understand that. That's okay, because that's what the Holy Spirit is for. He's, for, he's to be your helper. And we're going to talk about uh, helper, your guide, the, the one that will take you to a new place in him. So if you're here today, you've never experienced the gift of salvation. I just want to let you know that Jesus died for you, and he rose again. If you've never accepted him, there is a gift that's free. He paid the price for it. You don't have to pay it for it. All you have to do is you have to receive that gift. How do you do that? You know, it's pretty simple to do. It's a little more complicated to work to walk out. That's why you need the Holy Spirit in your life to walk it out with you. But the first thing you do is you confess your sins. You repent and you turn from the thing that, that you know you're not supposed to be doing. And you just have to believe that God is who he said he was. You have to believe in Jesus Christ as his son. That's how simple that is. So we're going to give an invitation today, and the prayer team will be up here. The altars will be open, and we'll be up here to pray with you too. We're going to give you an invitation to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And maybe you've never experienced the Holy Spirit in a deeper experience. Maybe you've never went that far, went to, to that place, and, and maybe this fast is starting to take you to a little deeper experience. Maybe you've known God in a deep way, and you just need a refreshment. Let me tell you what, he's the refreshing spirit that comes in and refreshes your, your soul. Maybe there's just some unconfessed stuff that you just need to, maybe there's a wall. Maybe there's a barrier that's been put up. And there are some things that you, ju that you just need to allow God to tear down those walls. This morning, these altars are open. We're gonna ask you to come and pray as they sing this song. It's not just a song to end the service. It's a song to end something in your life. It's a song that can be a new beginning to you in a new year. So let God transform.